Yeah, so this, we are in Joshua. We are um, in chapter 10. We're continuing on. I'm continuing on after what uh, Pastor Juan was speaking about. Um, excuse me if I refer to Pastor Juan as Uncle Juan. I don't mean he's your uncle. I, I usually refer to him as Uncle Juan in the house because he is my older brother. He's the uncle of my daughters, so I always say, you have to go ask Uncle Juan. So if I'm up here and I'm just like, Uncle Juan said, I'll be like, that's weird. <laughs> so Pastor Juan, um, and he was teaching through some of the things that the Lord, like the God of heaven, did on behalf of uh, Israel. He actually kept his promise. He had, he had spoken about it in uh, Isaiah of things that he could do. The other thing that is really cool is um, when you look at what God does in the Old Testament, right? He controls the weather. Uh, just to recap really quick, we see that uh, Israel, uh, Joshua, who is a picture of, of Christ for us, just a small picture. Uh, so it just, it just kind of foreshadows who Christ will be like for us. He'll be greater. He is greater than Joshua, right? Greater than Moses, greater than Joseph. But we see pictures of Jesus in these uh, people, in these historical accounts, right? So then Joshua comes out, and, um, and the people that have tricked Joshua into an alliance, right? Uh, the Gibeonites, all of a sudden, five nations, five armies come against them right? Five city-states that are very, very powerful. And the one thing, there were a couple of things that I, I took away from that. Gibeon was known to have mighty warriors. Now, like I, I had said was, you remember if uh, you and I, if we have strength, right? I got a little money in my bank account. I got things going on. I, I could lift a log, a small log. But, um, you know, all these things, a lot of times we say to ourselves, I can do it myself. I mean, it's built into us. It's programmed into us. Uh, if you ever see me talking to my three-year-old, um, and, and let's say she's putting her coat on, and I say, let me help you zip it up, she's going to say, I can do it myself. So then we, we are going to be waiting for 10 minutes, right? Because I'm going to let you in on a little secret. She cannot do it herself, all right? So, but I'm going to give her a try. You know, she's going to try, she's going to try, and I'm going to wait for her to say, Daddy, can you help me? Yep, I can help you, my lovely, you know, and whoop, zip it up, and then she goes, right? Sometimes I don't have 10 minutes to spare, and I'm just like, my lovely, I will help you, okay? Oh, you know, zip it up, and then we go, right? One day she will learn. That's great. I, you know, I'm not talking about her capabilities. She's three years old, right? And um, sometimes the Lord is like that with us. Gibeon could have been, the, the Gibeonites could have been like that, right? They could have said, we're mighty warriors. We're known to be mighty warriors. Listen, everybody grab, grab your weapons. Let's do this, right? Which would be, you know, we'd sit there and be like, that's very honorable, right? But Gibeon instead calls out to Joshua who made a promise to them, right? To align with them, to, to be in an alliance. And, and they got this alliance through trickery. So Joshua, like Juan, Pastor Juan had said, could have said, nah, man, you tricked me. In fact, Joshua could have looked at it and said, you know what? This is my way out of this raw deal. They get taken out. I don't need to keep my word anymore, right? Because Gibeon's gone. But instead, Joshua, like Christ, 
gets up right when he hears word that his, the ones he's aligned with are in trouble. And it says he marches through the night 20 miles. That's how far Gilgal was from where Gibeon is. He took his whole army. It said he took his whole army, even his great warriors. You know, instead of giving them, you know how like sometimes in sports, you got the greats, right? And you don't see them play every game because they're taking a rest. We need them for the, the big matches, right? When they come against the big enemies. Not this time, right? Not in this war. It says Joshua brought even the great warriors with him. So guys, now's not the time to rest. Everybody get up. We're marching through the night. And then it, they, it says, then they pounce on them when they get there. They don't even take a break. They just walked 20 miles, and now they're in for the fight. And it says it took them by surprise. And then what we're kind of, what Juan was talking about, I was just about to say Uncle Juan. <laughs> what Uncle Juan was talking about, right? Kids, right? What Juan was talking about was how the Lord was with him. And this is the beautiful thing, that when Jesus comes to our aid, he is God, right? So all of a sudden we see this, this, man -like, this man figure of Joshua and then the power of God with him. Well, Jesus is God, so he has both of these things and he comes to our aid, right? And then we see, and you, you might sit there, oh, well, you know, why do we call him God? Well, he has the attributes of God. God the Father in the Old Testament controlled the weather. What did Jesus do in the storm in the boat? Right? It didn't say, oh, guys, you're right. Let's pray really hard. Maybe God the Father will hear and he'll calm the storm for us. No. Jesus gets up kind of groggy. Right? Did you guys really think that the Son of God would die drowning? <laughs> yeah. And he gets up and he says the equivalent of to the storm. Be quiet. Shut up trying to nap around here, right? And he shows that he has the attributes of God. What did his disciples say? Who is this that commands the storms? Who is this that controls the weather? Have you guys ever done that? You go to the window, kind of raining outside. You kind of open the window up and you say, stop raining. And it stops raining. And then you walk in the sunshine to work. Anybody ever do that? Raise your hand. Because you're crazy. Didn't happen. All right? Nobody. I mean, think about it. We have people that study meteorology, right? And forecasts and everything. And they're still wrong 98% of the time. Right? They tell us, tomorrow going to be sun shining. It's going to be great. And it still rains. I want to go talk to them and say, you know you live in Britain, right? What's wrong with you? Lying to the people like that. All right? I would be correct 98% of the time if I just went up there, yo, listen, tomorrow's going to be windy, raining, <laughs> and cold, all right? Everybody stay inside, right? <laughs> Everybody, oh, okay, cool. But the Lord controls the weather. So we see this, this beautiful picture there, all right? I'm just recapping right now. We aren't even into what we're talking about today. So then we see that Joshua, with the Lord's help, takes out five armies. Juan said it himself. You know, in battles, uh, this, is, this is a battle that happens on an extended day. 
and he takes out five kings and five armies, all right? That's not normal. God's hand was with him. All of a sudden, the Lord was like, I'll help you take people out. And Joshua was taking one, one place out, another place out, another place out. And then all of a sudden in his campaign, the Lord brings Joshua five for one sale. Right? You ever go to Wilco's? They got like two for one, three for one. And the Lord's generous. Five for one? And the Lord let him take out five nations, five armies, and five kings in an extended day. Let's say it was about 48 hours he had of fighting, and he let him, the Lord was like, I'm with you. I'm with you. I will allow you to do things that are not normal, that are beyond your capacity, right? So then we pick up in verse 16. Of Joshua 10. During the battle, the five kings, I'm reading out of the NLT. During the battle, the five kings escaped and hid in a cave at Makeda. When Joshua heard that they had been found, he issued this command. Now, it was normal for kings to kind of hang back during the battle, okay? And normally, uh, the other, the, the enemy or the opposing army would know who the king was because he wasn't dressed like everyone else. His armor would be a king's armor, you know, and he would probably be riding in a chariot or up on a horse, and they would know that's the guy in charge, right? So then a lot of uh, militaries would go aiming for that guy. You take out the leader, everybody scatters. We know that, right? So these kings know they're in trouble. So they are together, and they run and hide in a cave, says, when Joshua heard that they had been found, because they scurried away, he issued this command, cover the opening of the cave with large rocks and place guards at the entrance to keep the kings inside. The rest of you continue chasing the enemy and cut them down from the rear. Don't give them a chance to get back to their towns, for the Lord your God has given you victory over them. Now, what I see here is a confidence in what God has told him. And when we are living our lives for Jesus, if, if you are a believer in Christ today and you believe Jesus, uh, there is this, a couple of things you have to employ. One, you have to employ trust in the Lord. That's the first thing you have to employ. You have to trust him. The second thing you need to employ is, is hard work, being industrious, not sitting back and saying, you know what, God will do it. God will do it all. You know, I'm just going to sit back. I'm going to stay in my pajamas 365 days a year. I'm just going to hang out. Let God do his own work, right? But we believe the Lord, especially when he gives us something to do, and then we employ hard work as we do that, right, with his direction. And then we also employ strategy. You don't just go out there and just start working hard ridiculously for no reason. You employ a strategy, Right? So what does Joshua tell them? He says, listen, we know that the Lord sent us here. We know that God said he will give us his favor. He said, we will win this war, right? So we're going to go out. We're going to win this war, but we have to engage our minds. At no time in scripture does the Lord tell you to disengage your mind and your reasoning. In fact, he, uh, he supersedes it a lot of times where we say, okay, this is the reasonable thing I can do. And then the Lord's like, you know, he either empowers you through the Holy Spirit or he brings uh, the things that you need that you couldn't get yourself and he does it for you. 
right? And we know that through prayer, because, you know, I'm somebody, I, I've worked in ministry a lot, right? And there are times when you're working in ministry and you're working really hard and you're working really hard and there is nothing. It's like your wheels are spinning, right? And then all of a sudden you realize, you know what? Let me go talk to the Lord, right? And you start talking to the Lord, you start praying, and then all of a sudden you see things move and you see things happen. And then when you go back out there, you're like, wow, it's so different. But everything you know, nothing's changed. I'm still in the same field working, but the Lord has done the work, but he allows us to co-labor with him. But we have to be like Gibeon. We have to call on our Joshua, right? Call out on him, call out to him, and he'll ride through the night for us, right? So then Joshua believed God. He believed what God had told him. He continued to employ hard work and a strategy, right? He says to them, listen, the rest of you continue to chase the enemy. Work hard. And cut them down at the rear. Don't give them a chance to get back to their towns. So there's a strategy in there. And then he also lends another strategy. He says, take those five kings. Put them in there. Put the rocks. We'll take care of that later. We got other things to do right now. Right? So Joshua and the Israelite army, verse 20, Continued to slaughter and completely crush the enemy. They totally wiped out the five armies except for a tiny remnant that managed to reach their fortified cities. Now, we're going to learn later on, not today, that it didn't matter that they, these, this tiny remnant reached their cities because Joshua's going to go take care of that, okay? Then the Israelites returned safely to Joshua in the camp of Makeda. After that, no one dared to speak even a word against Israel. So once again, the Lord keeps his word. The Lord says, I will, the, at, at your name, I'll strike fear in their hearts. If you are obedient to me, if you continue to walk in my ways, if you continue to, to love me and follow after me, I will be good to you. That's what he tells them, right? Which is, it's a little bit different from the deal you and I have through Jesus, a little bit different. Not that we don't have to employ obedience, but our deal is really stuck on what Jesus did on the cross, not on my performance, okay? So the Israelites, had their deal was a little bit different. Their deal was like a mortgage agreement for the land, okay? So how many of you guys uh, own a house or you know about mortgages? So mortgage is kind of like this. Um, I need money, so I ask somebody that is more powerful than me in the money, for the money, right? So when I go into a mortgage agreement, there's very little that I can do about what they put on the agreement, right? I'm not like, well, you know, I'd like to amend this. Uh, I'm not going to pay you the percentage that you have said because I don't want to pay that percentage. I'd rather pay you 0% on the mortgage, you know? The bank's going to be like, yeah, then no mortgage, you know? Or I go, you know, I'd like to amend this in the clause, you know, page 342, clause uh, F. Um, I'd like to uh, have you deliver uh, Cadbury chocolate to me every ninth month of every year. You know, like, you can't do that stuff. So it's a different agreement. It's a greater uh, entity making an agreement with a smaller entity. So really, when the Lord came and told Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and then Jacob's children, Israel, about what he was going to do for them, he said, this is the deal. I will 
be there for you. You can live on my land, but there are agreements to my land. So you must keep the Sabbath. You must keep the, the sabbatical years. You must keep uh, the year of Jubilee. You must treat your countrymen this certain way. And then the Lord is also long-suffering. So then we find that's why he took them off the land, because they had broken the agreement. Right? And then we see, if you do the maths of the years that Judah was in place, which was over 400 years, they had owed the Lord about 70 years of sabbatical years. And that's how long he kept them off the land in Babylon. And he said, you owe me. And then he was good. He said, I, don't, I won't say mad at you. Banks don't do that. Listen, when banks take your house, they're not like, I'm just going to keep you out for like five years and then I'll give it back. They're not like that. They're like, you're out. It's done. Don't come back. Ever. Unless you have the money, then we'll deal with you. <laughs> the Lord is good. He's gracious. But it's a different agreement. Our agreement is this. And, and he still has that agreement with Israel, which is really cool because then I know that God is a promise keeper. And when he makes an agreement with me about Jesus Christ, I know he'll keep that promise because he's kept all his other promises, right? He's a promise keeper. So then when he says, believe in me, right? When he tells us in Romans 10 verse 9, right? That I just confess with my mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in my heart that God has raised him from the dead and you will be saved, I can believe him. That's our agreement. And Jesus tells us through Paul that that agreement was confirmed with his blood. And we know that the agreement was, was taken up because Jesus was resurrected from the dead. It tells us that the agreement is good. It's good because the guy that made the agreement is still alive to ratify that agreement for us. Awesome, right? So when I come to the, the pearly gates and Jesus is standing there and he says, yep, he confessed me. He loves me. Let him in. Whew. It's not on my performance because if it was on my performance, he'd be like, yo, bro. Sorry, man. <laughs> I mean, if we had a thing called purgatory, you might be making it there, but <laughs> we don't. So... We're just going to have to send you to the other place to kind of like uh, sizzle you up for a little while. <laughs> but it's on Jesus, right? We come through the works of Christ. He is perfect, the God-man, right? So then, so we, we keep tracking along. So Joshua, uh, then it says the Israelites returned safely to Joshua in the camp at Mecca. After that, no one dared to speak even a word against Israel. God kept his promise, kept his word. Then Joshua said, remove the rocks covering the opening of the cave and bring the five kings to me. So they brought the five kings out of the cave, the kings of Jerusalem, Hebron, Jarmuth, Lachesh, and Eglon. When they brought them out, Joshua told the commanders of his army, come and put your feet on the king's neck or on the king's necks. And they did as they were told. So usually it would be the commander, the king that puts it on the neck of the other king, right? Joshua's doing something special here, right? Usually it would be Joshua that puts his, his, okay, I'm showing you, I'm signifying that I am over you now. I have won. You have been humiliated. You are done. Now, 
I know that in our modern Western world, we say, how uncivilized. Where are the humanitarian agencies? They should be, you know, they need to write letters to Joshua and tell them, you don't treat people like this, Joshua. Guys, this is ancient war. I mean, look at your own history. They knew how to fight ancient war, right? Look at my history, right? All my histories, whether it's American, Spanish, people are like, oh, you're minority. It's like, listen, uh, I, don't go, um, I don't go free out of all of this. My ancestors, they didn't go, come to take land. They came to take everybody's gold, <laughs> you know? Like, you know, can we all, can we all, listen, praise the Lord that I don't, I don't, go into heaven because of what my ancestors, or not go into heaven because of what my ancestors did, right? It's what my heavenly father has done, right? So we can't, we can't walk out clean. Nobody here is clean because if we are sitting on the sins of our fathers and things like that, which God says he doesn't hold on the children, praise the Lord, we, we shouldn't be here, right? So then we need to understand the history, the time, and this is how it ran, okay? So then Joshua does something special. He tells his commanders, come over here. Put your feet on these people's necks because they're done. We won. They came to kill our allies and us, and they failed. We won. So then um, he, uh, he encourages them with this. And what does he say to them? Verse 25, he says something to them. Don't ever be afraid or discouraged. Just like, like um, how many of you guys have ever played sport? You ever play any sport, right? And did you have a, did you have a manager or a coach or, or somebody that was above you in that sport? I remember after winning certain things and I would come into the locker room and my coach would look me in the eye and he would say, you won, you are worth it. You can do it. You continue, right? He's giving me that, what I call a pep talk, right? He, he was building confidence in me. Joshua is building confidence into the commanders and he's transferring a promise from him that the Lord gave him to them because the Lord was just not just giving Joshua a promise, he was giving all of God's people a promise. Right? He was saying to them, listen, Joshua told his men, be strong and courageous. That sounds familiar, right? Didn't we open up the book of Joshua with that? Who was talking to Joshua? Joshua 1, verses 6 and 7. I didn't pre-give any of these to Stephanie in the back, so she's like uh, freaking out right now. <laughs> so Joshua 1, verses 6 through, six through 9. <laughs> Do six through nine. And Joshua told his men, be strong and courageous for the Lord is going to do this all to all of your enemies. Then Joshua killed each of the five kings and impaled them on five sharpened poles where they hung until evening as a sign. Hey, look, this is what the Lord told Joshua. Be strong and courageous for you are the one who will lead these people. Ah, we lost it. It's just gone. But anyway, the Lord tells Joshua, be strong and courageous. 
So he's echoing. Guys, when you lead, when you're a parent or whatever, you know what God has told you because you can read God's word, right? And you can hear God's word. God's faith comes through hearing God's word. And then you can transfer, transfer those promises to faithful people and say, the Lord will be with you. He has been with me. And he has been with others before us. Right? Remembering what God has done. Remembering what God has done. Now, I remember when I was a child and my mother, she loves Jesus, right? And she transferred that to all of her children, all seven of her children. Now, it doesn't mean that, you know, like at certain ages, we were like, yeah, yeah, ma, I'm with you. I'm with you, right? When you're a teenager, you're like, I know better. Yeah, I love Jesus, but I also have my own plans, right? And then you realize that your own plans are castles built in like sandcastles. You just fall over. And it took me until I was about 21. Now, I was a Christian. I loved Jesus. I went to church every week, but it took me until I was 21 to fully transfer everything over to Jesus and say, I've got no plans. I'm all yours. Whatever you want, you lead me. My sandcastles had fallen. Everything I was building had fallen. Sometimes some of us do it earlier than that. But I was always scared to say that to Jesus. I didn't tell anybody. Jesus knew it and I knew it. I had plans, Lord. I got things I need to do. I got people I need to take care of. You know, I want my family to live good, Lord. I'm tired of people pummeling us. I'm tired of poverty. I'm tired of all these things, Lord. I have plans, right? And then everything that I had built fell down. And I remember having a long chat with the Lord that took about a week. Saying to the Lord, hey, listen, man, you don't let anything happen in my life, man. Like, I could walk away. And I remember at night the Lord waking me up and talking to me. And just saying to me, Dave, you've been with me since you were three years old. Where would you go now? Why these things happen is because you are not allowing me to lead your steps. Right? The steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord. And, and I was like, Lord, I'll order them. I love you. I love you, but I'll order them because I trust me. And then I realized I can't hold up this life. I can't do it. So then I said to the Lord, this is what I actually said to him. I said, Lord, you say in your word that the steps of a righteous person are ordered by the Lord. By you, I need you to order my steps. I'm done. And I told him that every day. And then he started doing things, and I was like, what are you doing? I'm ordering your steps, Dave. Okay. All right. So then, on Sunday, the 4th of December of 2022, I find myself standing here. Guys, it was never my plan to be a pastor. It was never my plan to be in Birmingham, in the UK. Those weren't my plans. In fact, I am always surprised at times when I wake up in my bed and think to myself, I love my house. Like, I love where I am. And it was never my plan. Right? 
Let the Lord order your steps. But that's the difference between just being somebody that believes and a disciple. When you are a disciple, Jesus says in his word, when you're a disciple, he says, if you would come follow after me, then take up your cross and follow me, right? He doesn't say, you must follow after me and take up your cross. No, no, no. It, it's, it's a choice. I can just be a believer and get into heaven by the skin of my teeth, right? Right, right through the flames. Hey, I made it. And I'm, I'm going to still celebrate, right? But how much better if I get into heaven and he says to me, well done, good and faithful servant. You trusted me and you allowed me to work in your life. And through that, I blessed others, right? That's, that's awesome. Like if we're allowed to live like that, I'm allowed to live running after Jesus and smiling about it and having a great time while doing it, right? I'm not saying that there aren't bad days. Jesus tells us himself, in this world, you will have many troubles. But do not worry, right? That's the difference. I don't have to worry about the troubles. Because he says, I have overcome this world. So I wait for the day that I see my Savior, the overcomer, my Joshua, right? The one that I call out to, and he rides through the night. And then he shows up and sends the enemy into confusion. And he takes him out for me. Five for one sales, <laughs> right? It's beautiful when you see him. I remember when, when I was younger, I was a newlywed. And I, I had just moved to Birmingham. And my wife was a student. And you know how much money students make, right? <laughs> right? Negative. <laughs> But now she was married, so she didn't really call mommy and daddy for money anymore, right? Because she has a husband. And I was new. And, and I was new here, and then I was on this visa that didn't allow me to work for six months. And then, um, and then when I started working, I started doing lots of work, but it wasn't paid work, right? So then I'm looking at the bank account, and I'm not saying anything, right? I don't want a cause, you know? I don't want to alarm anybody, right? And Claire comes to me one day, and she says, Dave, we have no money. And I said, I know. She says, we have bills to pay. I said, I know. And I said, let's pray. Let's just ask the Lord to, to provide for us. So we, we prayed. It wasn't that I, you know, it wasn't that I'm laying at home. I was actually working for church for Calvary Chapel, Birmingham. And I was doing other things. I was helping people with stuff and everything and, and building and doing different things. And then, and then I remember that a little bit later that day, I get a phone call. And it's somebody that I had helped. And they said, Dave, I want to pay you for the work you've been doing for me. And, you know, they paid me more than I needed to pay those bills. And they paid me enough that that weekend, why, why Claire had come to me and said, Dave, we're supposed to go somewhere this weekend and we don't even have money for fuel. And the car is almost empty. You know? I was like, right. He gave us enough to fill up that car and go 
to where we were going that weekend. And the Lord is good. And I remember the Lord telling me, remember, remember, I will be strong for you. Right? So I turned to my new wife and I said, let's remember that the Lord's there for us. Right? Let's remember. That's what Joshua is doing to these guys. He says, put your feet on these, these guys' necks. Don't you see? We just won a war that was unwinnable. Put your feet on these guys' necks. And remember that God will be mighty for you. Guys, a lot of times you look at me because I'm Pastor Dave, right? And people come to me, Pastor, pray for me. But my prayers are just as potent as your, your prayers. What God speaks to you through his word is just as potent. You just have to believe God when he speaks to you. And you have to know that he's talking to you. Now, am I saying it's, it's not good to come to me to pray? No, that's cool. The more we get praying, the more the Lord hears. But what I'm saying to you is remember that the Lord is mighty on your behalf, not just mine. The Lord is mighty. Now, some of you guys don't believe that. Some of you guys think, well, I don't really have that great of a life. I may, sometimes I make bad choices. God knows me. God knows me too. And if my mother knew what God knows about me, maybe she wouldn't want to be my mama anymore, right? But God knows the depths of my sin, and he still loves me, and he still hears me, and he still delivers me from them, right? And he continues to sanctify me, which means he continues to set me apart for himself, and he helps me to overcome the things that try to bog me down, whether that's sin or, you know, this world or whatever it is. He continues to help me. Don't ever be afraid or discouraged, Joshua told his men. Be strong and courageous for the Lord is going to do the do this to all of your enemies. Then Joshua killed each of the five kings and impaled them on five sharp poles where they hung until evening. As the sun was going down, Joshua gave instructions for the bodies of the kings to be taken down from the poles and thrown into the cave where they had been hiding. Then they covered the opening of the cave with a pile of large rocks, which remains to this very day. It was a memorial of God's victory that he had given them. And that's what I'm talking about. Remember to keep memorials, especially in your minds and in your hearts, of what God has done for you and what he's done for others in God's word. Because when God, when I read more of this Bible, I actually get God's CV, right? He's like, listen, man, this is all that I've done. Imagine you going to a job interview and you handing a CV this thick. Here you go. Hope you like the reading, right? This is God's CV. He's telling me who he is and who I can trust, which is him. And he's showing me who his what his character's like, his God-like attributes. He's showing me what he did for me. And he'll do it again. He'll do it again. 
And I'm not saying like, oh, believe like in Santa Claus. You just got to believe and the fat man will come down your chimney. Nah, man, you ever see a fat man come down your chimney? Call the police. Because <laughs> right? first of all, most of our chimneys are blocked up. And we'll be like, yo, how'd you get down that? <laughs> right? But I'm saying when the Lord says something, believe him. Trust him. And all it takes for you is saying, I believe you. And I'm going to live it. I'm going to live like that. I believe you. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we love you. We need you. Lord, help us to believe your word and to live in that trust and that belief, Lord. Lord, like Joshua, to employ a good strategy and hard work, to just keep working hard for you, Jesus. And Lord, you tell us to not grow weary in doing good because in due time, we will reap a reward. What a bonus. Thank you, Lord, that you're good to those that wait on you. Lord, empower us through your Holy Spirit to live this life, to be faithful to you, to be faithful to those around us, to love them with the love that you give Jesus, unconditional love. We just pray this in Jesus' name.